Hello, hello. It is me, Tammy Riley, your host for Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. I'm very excited to share my conversation today with that I had with Kelly Dormandy, one of my uh, former students at Quinnipiac and friends. Uh, really nice for she and I to catch up. And so hopefully you are going to share in the energy that we had and the connection. Uh, Kelly really shares so much more than just the nuts and bolts of being a strength and conditioning coach, what goes in. Um, hopefully you will find that fascinating. And they are definitely tips that the everyday athlete, you and I, trying to do our best day in and day out, can also take to heart and use. Um, but I loved getting to hear how Kelly has put this all into perspective for herself and where she is in her life at the moment. So grab a cuppa, something, sit back, enjoy, and be inspired by the conversation with Coach Kel. So welcome to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. I am Tammy Riley, your host, and I am very excited for this conversation. It's been a long time coming. Uh, today you are meeting Kelly Dormandy, who is a former Quinnipiac student. She was... Um, she was a student and I was there, but she was like one of my besties. We were together every day. Uh, and I'm shocked to realize that she graduated in 2008. So pick my jaw up off the floor. Um, but Kelly currently is a strength and conditioning coach, and she's serving as the director of women's soccer and gymnastics performance for the University of Georgia. So Kelly, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's been way too long since we've been <laughs> way too long. So as my my listeners sort of know, I um, always pre-chat with everybody. So Kelly and I just chatted for a really long time to catch up. That's how long this has been. It's been quite a while since we've had an opportunity to have conversation. Um, but Kel, my gosh, you've done so much since your time as a student and soccer player at Quinnipiac University. Can you fill the listeners in on what you've been up to, what you do, where you are, and um, yeah, just a little bit about you and your life. Well, if we rewind back to my Quinnipiac days, as you know, um, I got into strength and conditioning at a very early age, but it was my neck injury at Quinnipiac that really propelled me uh, to be a strength coach. After suffering my careening neck injury my junior year of college, I realized if I could no longer be an athlete, the next best thing would be to train athletes. That being said, I was three years through my business degree, so I thought it'd be a good idea, a good idea to finish that first, um, just starting over, and did some of my homework and research uh, along with my father and Brian Holloway, and Springfield College was was kind of the graduate program that I wanted to pursue, so that was the only program that I applied to. I thought, if I get in, it's meant to be. If not, well, then maybe I'll go to grad school to get my master's in business. Fortunately, I got in. I went on to Springfield College. I was there for two and a half years as a full-time student. The program was 36 credits. I somehow managed to get 54 in in, in two oh and a half God. years uh, <laughs> while training four teams and personal training. And um, I fell in love with it. During that time, we had two summer-long internships. I did them at Core Performance and Athletes Performance in Santa Monica and in Arizona. I originally thought I wanted to go private sector. Uh, so my first one was at Core they hooked me up with AP the following summer. I had contacted my advisor and said, I, I've been offered a job. I think I'm considering not coming back to finish my graduate program and stay here and accept the position. And she likes, well, I support you in whatever decision you want to make. However, a GA position has just opened up. So with that, I can offer you the ability to come back and get the remainder of your degree for free. Uh. Think on it for the night or so, and then let me know. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I knew I had to go back to finish mm -hmm. my degree. Um, got a GA with four teams. I fell in love with the college sector and realized, no, it's collegiate. Athletics is where I want to be. Finished out my graduate program at Springfield College. I was lucky enough that an opportunity had opened up at South Carolina to work with their women's soccer program. And with my experience that I'd gained at Springfield, training women's soccer, and then obviously having been a soccer player, um, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity there. That was my first start. I was there for a year. I moved on to the University of Maryland to work with their soccer program as well. That was a very short stint of six months. And then a call came from USC. I'll be honest, I had zero desire to live in LA whatsoever. <laughs> LA was not on my ticket. 
um, and of places that I wanted to live or place that I envisioned myself living. But I was 25 at the time and I thought, okay, you're not dating anybody serious. You don't have any kids. Like there's nothing holding you back. If there's any time to go test out the West Coast, this is the time. So do I, it, do I, it, I, yeah. Throw across country with my dad. I ended up at USC for six years, training the likes of women's soccer that entire stint. Um, men's and women's swimming and diving for the first three years, picked up women's basketball wow. through for the latter, and mm. then stumbled upon beach volleyball, which I fell in love with for the last three years as well. During my time there, I was fortunate enough to work for a number of great coaches, but one of which was Cynthia Cooper, who was our head women's basketball coach. In our connection, she was able to get me an interview with the LA Sparks, and I landed the opportunity there to be their head strength and conditioning coach. Wow. So I was now working at USC and training the Sparks. So now the, the full cycle was basically 365 days out of the year. I had a team of some sort and responsibility. Mm-hmm. My time at SC was fantastic. Um, I ended up winning three national championships with beach and women's soccer, a world championship with the LA Sparks all in the same year. And I thought to myself, well, I'm loving it here, but I feel like there are still other boxes that I need to check and challenges that I need to take on. And an opportunity came open at LMU, which is Loyola Marymount University. At the time, a friend had come to me and asked me about the opportunity. I'll be honest, I didn't even know it was in LA, but it was in LA. So it offered me the opportunity to stay put in LA and go be a director. So I took on a new role as the director um, of sports performance. So I was assistant athletic director at the time of sports performance, grew into the role of associate AD, of sports performance and nutrition there. I trained a handful of teams there, some different teams, uh, just to challenge myself and do something a little bit different, step outside my comfort zone. And after three and a half years, the vast majority of which was during COVID, um, I got an oppor- a call for an opportunity that doesn't really come often. And it was an opportunity to link back up with a coach, uh, the former USC soccer coach, Kadani McAlpine. He had accepted the head soccer coaching job at the University of Georgia. And he asked if I had any interest to uh, get on the journey with him. And thinking on it, it was not a no brainer, but I decided it was the right decision at this chapter of my life, personally, um, as well as professionally to uh, make the jump and move back east and come on board. And here I am at the University of Georgia. This is year 12 for me as a division one strength coach, and I am the director of sports performance for women's soccer and gymnastics. Wow. Um, such an honor, right? When a coach gives you that call and says, I'm moving and I want, you're my choice. I want you like that. That is what we strive for in anything we do, right? To be the one that a coach would ask for to, to bring you on board. So that's just a tribute, I think, to your work, you know, what you put in. And it's not just the credentials and showing up, like you said, at 7 a.m. for a lift. It's all of the other things that you do when you work with athletes, which makes it such a unique job to the corporate world where you're with somebody, right, at their lunchtime workout, and then they walk out the door and leave, right? This is a life. This is your life. Yes. 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. They're your kids, your babies. I, yes, I've had a lot. I've, I have had a lot. I don't have my own kids, but I feel as though I've had a lot of kids over the years for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But it's it's funny because even, you know, back in college and I know like that transition of, okay, this is the the moment that really set me on course, right? For you, your neck injury and the training, but it was something that you were always interested in, you know, the program, and you had mentioned Brian, the program that Brian Holloway had at Choate, which I know Brian as well, and I've worked with him. Um, it, it, it's a team onto itself, and it's a whole other layer of living, and it was fun. And, you know, he made it fun for everyone, but it was healthy. You know, you're doing something really positive. It was always body positive. It was always about getting stronger and being your best self, whatever that meant. Um, And you always bought into that. You know, that was always who you were. Even in college, you were always the fittest that you could be, you know. So while maybe you didn't realize that's what you would do for your life's passion, it was who you already were at that time, I think. That's what I saw. I think it only made sense Yeah, this is the path that I've ended up being a strength coach. Looking yeah. back on it, it's like, of course, I was meant to be a strength coach. But yeah. again, at that time, you're 18 years old. You have no clue. 
you're just freaking out about trying to find a job and what what is meant <laughs> to be and what is supposed to be for me what is my fate but right. looking back on it, it was like yeah I was meant to be a strength coach mm, it is things happen as they're supposed to happen right and in that time we've we've already been talking about that the craziness of life and how it works um, but when you are if we just backtrack for a second you are at this amazing school, you've got all these teams. As we said, it's not just, you know, you work from seven to eight. It is constant nonstop. But now you added a professional team on top of that. How are you, how are you managing life? Like aside from work, which I know you know how to give it your all and nothing is going to drop on that end, but how are you taking care of, of you um, with all of that? I am somebody, I'm an introverted extrovert. Mm, okay. Realize. At work, I'm extremely extroverted. And I think in some respects, what I do requires me to be so, especially at the collegiate level. Um, I'll be honest, that was in part reason for the move that I made. I was working two jobs for six years. Oof. And it was soccer season in the fall, basketball season in the winter, beach volleyball in the spring, WNBA season in the summer. So mm. there wasn't a ton of reprieve. Fortunately, my role with the Sparks was more part-time, so I wasn't okay. traveling. I was only doing things at home, so that gave me some freedom in the mm -hmm. summer and some downtime when college was in their off-season, so to speak. Um, but just carving out and making sure that I committed to certain times for myself and my family. My family got really good at visiting me in Los Angeles yeah. for Christmas and for the holidays, um, but trying to carve out as much time as possible. May was typically my month, my birthday month, to find time to take a vacation. As you know, my workouts yes. <laughs> my number one, are, are my number one piece to the puzzle. Um, if possible, I like to train first thing in the morning. That kind of sets my intention and my tone. It's also my ability just to check off a sense of accomplishment for the day. And it's my thing where I can I can do something for myself I can kind of mm. plug out of work. I can do my best to put my phone on do not disturb and put some tunes on and, and take that 60 minutes, 75 or maybe even 90 if I get it on occasion um, to get my workout in and then just staying involved with as many friends and, and family as possible. I had a good group of people in Los Angeles and it helped, as you know, to work with great people. Yeah. All my staffs at USC and LMU were all people that I would consider family when you work with professional athletes, there's a different level and there's a different relationship than you'll have with a college athlete. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's a greater sense of need for a boundary with a college athlete. You're more of a mentor yes. with a college athlete, whereas in mm -hmm. the professional world, you go to work together, but at the same time, when you walk away, like I was going and hanging out and being friends with the Candace Parkers and the Neka Gumakes, but they're professionals and they understand that when we step into the weight room or step onto the court, there's a job to be done. Right. When we step out of the arena, we can be cordial and hang out and be friends. So it was a really unique opportunity to be and have and build friendships with my professional athletes as well. Which you're so lucky, I think, because many people go to work, I'm putting my little air quotes, go to work or go to their job. And, and it is, they go in and then they leave and they don't have the connection. They're, they're never going to hang out with that group. It's not who they share a lot of commonalities with. But for you in this field, you know, that is, those athletes are, you're an athlete, right? Even though you're on the other side, you're still an athlete and um, sharing all of those similar I idealistics and values, you know, it makes that instant family, which is so great. So it's one less thing, right? To have to go out and now who am I going to find to hang out with, right? You already had everybody built in. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so as you were, you were talking, you were out there and, um, COVID hit and you are a strength coach and now we can't be in person with our people. We can't do our job. What, how did you manage? What did you do? What was your go-to to help your teams get through the challenging time of pandemic when we were separate? We've had so many waves of this roller coaster of separate or, you know, not separate, but masked or distance or, but when we were separate, like way in the beginning, what, what was going through your mind and how were you going to do your job? Never did I imagine that I was going to rely on Instagram <laughs> for my job, <laughs> but that is what we did. Okay. Um, we created myself and my staff. I had three other guys. We, 
outlined 184 straight days every Oof. single day Oof. from whenever that day was in March of 2020 when we started mm -hmm. and what we called TSODs, which are training sessions of the days. Okay. Um, kind of considered it a wad of the day in the CrossFit world, but considering we are athletes, we train, or we at least educate our student athletes that we train and that there is an intent behind it rather than saying we work out. So we labeled it a TSOD. And what we did was we laid out every day of the week was a theme. Each member of my staff had a day or two. Um, so like Monday was labeled Monday misery. And it was, <laughs> for example, maybe a Metcon for time. And you had to get as many rounds as possible in the prescribed amount of time. And then Tuesday was a speed agility conditioning day. Wednesday was something different. So every day okay. had a tagline. Mm -hmm. And behind the scenes, we periodized um, the best total body performance enhancing prescription for all wow. of our student athletes to be able to do everything at home, body weight. So there could be absolutely no excuse to not do something. And then we found creative ways to implement strength, um, strength means by way of using a backpack and loading it with cans or so forth to increase intensity over time. So then every single week we would progress each day over this term of four, over, I think it was three to four weeks. So every Monday, the time might be added. So it might start at 12 minutes, bump to 15, bump to 18, bump to 21 minutes. And then after that, we'd recycle and start a new phase and we'd change the exercise selection and prescription. Here we were thinking at the beginning that it was only probably going to be like, Whatever. Two weeks, two four weeks. Week phase. Yeah, we're like, oh, it should be a four-week phase. So, but then it turned into about probably five or six phases worth. 184 straight days. It took us to September. We officially wow. logged offline after 184 days, and our team started to come back. All of our teams came back in that September. We had a couple teams, the likes of men's and women's basketball and volleyballs, venture in in the summer. Um, they were phased first and then everybody else came on thereafter in September. But for 184 days, we went online every single morning. I posted, I posted the TSOD. It told them what week it was, what day it was. The first day or the first week came with video tutorial. So if it was my day, I made a video of myself describing what the TSOD was, going through all the, the exercises, showing them exactly what the exercises were to be. We each would go back in to Apple. This is, we became good at cutting our own videos in Apple. <laughs> so, so we figured out how to cut them, splice them. We, I mean, you can find it to this day. It's, it's an open Instagram account, LMU, I think it's LMU Lions underscore sports performance. And if you just scroll on through, you will see 184 straight days of TSODs. I love that. I'll be completed with body weight. Um, but you know, it, it is, it's such a, I'm going to say non-traditional way that you would normally do your job, but how cool that now this is actually a legacy that can live on, that you could go back and use this. Like once it's written, like it is kind of nice to have this 184 days of progression, like that it was periodized, it was progressed. Like that's so awesome. And I kudos to my staff because I mean, we would, we would meet before we would roll out and all discuss like, okay, what did you come up with? Does everything, oh, do we have an even distribution of bilateral pushes, pulls? How can we oh find my God. Get vertical pulls in here? The, all sorts of things and craziness. Um, and it just got to a point where we were all looking at each other like, how much more can we progress? <laughs> like how much can we progress this guys? So, but we, and we made it as fun as possible. Um, but you can tell that my staff took a lot of pride and what yeah. we did and, and Wednesdays was um, wind down Wednesdays. So somebody would go live and do kind of like a yoga script and um, that was Coach Jaybird. So that would break up our week on Wednesdays, we would do that. Sunday was meant to be an off day. And then we got called out after week one, student app, coach, I'm bored, I need something to do. Like, oh my where's, day, where's day seven? We need, we need seven <gasps> days in a row. So then I would on the seventh day, um, I would write up something in my handwriting or even bring in, have student athletes. Okay, we challenge a veteran student athlete on the softball team to come up with the TSOD for Sunday. Or if you have any ideas and wanna share and just do it and find creative ways to get the student athletes to be as involved as possible. But they were going on every single day. Oh. Liking everything. Yeah, so it was great. 
And so, you know, obviously as a strength coach and that's your job performance and we think physical, 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 and here we are talking about the physical workout, but I know when they're your team and, and this is the role and you're in that day to day, it's so much more than the physical, right? You're, you're dealing with, and you know, yes, there's athletic trainers and you have so many people on a team for support, but still in your role, it's way beyond the physical. So how, how was that going for athletes? Like, were you in connection and um, were they reaching out to you on the other ends? I guess I'm going to say the mental end, like we, we need, we can't not work out on Sunday. You know, they, they have that mentality, but how were, how was that piece? I think what I realized very quickly is yes, we were providing them the ability to train, but like you said, it was, it was bigger than that. Yeah. And while important, and we wanted to make sure that they were doing enough training so that when they came back, they were in a position to at least do the basics for us so that we could progress them appropriately to return to the demands of their sport. It was, it was about their mental, emotional capacity Mm -hmm. and the fact that we were a community. And so we would, we're challenging all the kids to to comment like you're so think certain certain TSODs would challenge you for time. Like how quickly can you get it done? Throw your score in below and comment. So then the athletes were starting to engage with one another or call people out like, Hey, so-and-so on my team. Hey, Tammy, I got this on the TSOD. What was your PR today? So then it became very interactive and it became very interactive, not just team within the teams, but across teams, male and female, so then we had to go beyond it. We did, um, every Sunday we did a mock like radio show. My staff. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. So we'd, we'd bring in a coach and we'd interview them. Um, I think there were some compliance stipulations about bringing student athletes on, but we would have guest appearances. Oh. And then, so we'd bring people on and pick their brains and just talk about how they were dealing with this. Or if there were topics that the student athletes, um, wanted us to talk on. We even did one during that time. As everybody knows, there was a big push for Black Lives Movement. Mm, yeah. And so I allowed my staff to interview me, all three of them being white males. And I said, you know what? I think we need to have the uncomfortable conversation and oh. put me on the hot seat and ask me questions about my thoughts, feelings, opinions on being an African-American female during these times, an African-American female in America and our society, an African-American female in the strength and conditioning world where it's white male driven and dominated. And I want to share my experiences with it all. And so that can be found on there. So we have that from every Sunday. We started going with cooking. We had meatless Mondays. And so student athletes would come on and give us a day in their lives, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we'd showcase different teams. We'd have male athletes, female athletes. So it kind of started building onto something bigger than this strength and conditioning because we realized the impact that we were having on the student athletes holistically. And it was a way for them to check in with us every day. And it was something that as an athlete, you want somebody or something to hold you accountable to. Um, So we were able to hold them accountable. We were able to give them a routine, some sort of structure in their day to day, and also provide them with that competitive component that they were missing from not being surrounded by their teammates in practice Mm-hmm. and in competition and in games so much that they were used to. I love that. I love that. And I love how it evolved because through the conversations I've had, whether it's previous guests on the podcast or even in just the work that I've been doing, it really is the routine, the accountability, the connection. Those are the things that helped to ground us or still help to ground a lot of us because otherwise we're out there alone and you're untethered. And it's, um, you know, when you're not doing what you want to do in the way that you know how to do it, it's really unnerving. And especially for a generation of younger people, right? We look at middle school, high school, college athletes, like, God, they, you know, it's so scary. So um, really nice that that's what you all did or how it evolved so that it could really give them that, I guess, security, I'm going to say, that they needed to get through that period. Yes, it was, it was an, an amazing experience like none other. And when it came to an end, there was, there was some sense of relief, like, wow, what, <laughs> what in the world did we just go through? But at the same time, it was like, okay, but also at the same time, look at what we accomplished. And when our yeah. kids came back, they were hungrier than ever. Oh. And they respected the process more than ever. And they wanted to be back in the weight room. They wanted, the, they craved, 
student, I, my opinion, I think student athletes crave structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They oh my God. Provided yeah. in the right way, um, but they they crave it. They crave accountability. They crave somebody holding them to a standard of excellence, to commitment, to taking ownership for what they do and what they want to be and become. So it was amazing. It just kind of took off um, and propelled our department in ways we would never have imagined. I love that, right? So we have to kind of look at the silver lining yes. of all of it. As yes. much as you worked your butt off to try to be creative and reinvent, uh, it, it obviously paid off in the long run. Um, and so you were just talking about how you have this group and how hungry they were and how dedicated and they, and they want the direction, but they come to you, right? So you're the mama bear. We've already said they're all your kids. So we know that your job is the physical piece, the performance on the field, whether they're, you know, just looking at preseason or staying healthy during season, um, whether they're rehabbing from something, that's the physical piece of what you do day in and day out. But what are the other pieces that I'm going to say? I'm going to use the word self-care since that's the kind of the main place we go to on this podcast. What is it that you also preach to them or ask of them or advise them? Because they're, they're already coming to you for the, for the weight workout. They're already coming to you, right, for that strength piece. But I know you give so much more. So I guess what are your biggest tips or takeaways for these athletes and their overall well-being? That could be on or off the field. What we do is important as an athlete, but the way we do what we do is the game changer. Okay. And that's what I get my athletes to buy into. So again, I'm not neglecting what goes into our strength and conditioning program year round. There is a lot of thought that goes into it, um, but I hold my athletes or I think I hold my athletes to a standard of excellence. And so my acronym, my coaching philosophy is SWOL. The S stands for standards. Our standards are extremely high. I am going to push my athletes outside of their comfort zone because that's what's that's what they will be presented with at one point or another over the course of their careers, especially as soccer players on the pitch and especially in situations that require us to succeed at the highest of levels, whether that be conference championships or national championships. And I'm a firm believer that that skill set will carry on with them in life mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. soccer. Mm -hmm. Here's the deal. At the end of the day, the vast majority of the athletes that I work with will not be professional athletes. Right. And that is something that is hard for them to hear, but that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. So while we are athletes, let's prepare to be the best athletes that we can be, but utilize the characteristics that we build over that time to put us in positions to be successful in life when that career comes to an end. And that may not come to an end after college. It may be professional. So standards is our number one piece. W is work ethic. We are going to work extremely hard and I'm going to hold us accountable to working harder than, than most teams, um, that most teams that come through our weight room. Um, and at the end of the day, the thing for me is you as the athlete, you made the commitment to come here and I leave it up to you to make sure that you leave your legacy. I will give you ample opportunities and I'll give you all the tools to put yourself in a position to be successful, but I can't want it more than you want it. Mm -hmm. I'm just helped to assist you. Yeah. O is ownership. I require my athletes to take ownership for what it is that they want. What I tell them is this, if you don't like your current circumstances, you better be willing to do something about your circumstances in terms of changing your circumstances to put you in a position to have the circumstances that you want. If you aren't willing to change, either you're okay with your current situation or you don't care. Mm, interesting. Take okay. Take yeah. ownership for what it is that you want as a player in yeah. soccer or in whatever sport it is that you play and take ownership for the things that you want to have in life. L is love. I give a lot of love. But the <laughs> love that I give is of the tough variety. <laughs> tough love, coach, there's no doubt about it. We are going to have a love-hate relationship, and the love-hate relationship comes from the standpoint of, I am going to ask you to do things that you don't like. I'm going to ask you to do things that make you very uncomfortable. 
But at the end of the day, I need you to understand that I will never ask you to do something that I don't know you can't, can't do. Mm. So trust me in that. Hate me for it. But at the end of the day, you're going to love the fact that I put you in a position to accomplish the goals that you set out to accomplish as a player and as a person. So we're going to have a tough love relationship. <laughs> and then the last piece is I am every bit the uh, enforcer of accountability. Okay. And I'm going to enforce individual and collective accountability in all facets that we do. So with that, our sessions are very structured. So when it starts off with our warm-up, it might be left knee down on the white line. Every single member of our team better have left knee down on the white line. If not, certain we might have extra credit or we might have to start over. Um, I will hold the athlete accountable individually and collectively. We have kind of a three-strike policy. Once an athlete slips up more than one occasion, well, then the team now is also responsibility for your lack of accountability. Because at the end of the day, we're a team and we are only going to be as strong as our weakest link. And if we want to succeed in terms of winning championships in our conference and in across the nation, well, then it's going to take all of us and not just one of us. Wow. Um, so once we get to the piece where the athletes are holding each other accountable and I no longer have to hold them accountable, then I can pat myself on the back because the job has been done. So that's the acronym of SWOL. And I came up with SWOL because it's relatable, obviously, to the weight room. And it's something that they'll remember. And so from day one, that's the coaching philosophy. That's the expectation when we come into the weight room. And I'm a firm believer that all of those facets of that acronym also make you a better person in life, academically, and whatever it is that you're going to pursue from the standpoint of a career. I tell my athletes, I don't care what it is that you pursue in your life after school, but whatever it is that you pursue, make sure you have a passion for it. Mm. Your passion um, is far more influential when it impacts people. So passion, purpose, people. I love um, just, you know, in our jobs working in higher ed. So you're in higher ed, you're with teams, as am I. And it is, you know, you try to hold them accountable in the moment for whatever it is, assignments or workouts, you're on a team. But it really is those, all of these other little things that you're talking about that they might not get at the time that they will think back and remember and hopefully um, make sense for the rest of their life, right? This acronym is I, what I think as you tell me that if I was one of your athletes and now I 10 years later, I have a job or a family or this is what I'm going to remember, not the game that I might've won, but, but this piece, right? This, yeah. this philosophy, the core value, the, how you translate everything that you do into big picture. So I, I love um, how intentional this is. I know you said you're, you're very intentional, but this, this is great. That's pretty cool. And to add on to that, to believe it or not, the weight room stuff is the easy piece. Yeah. The other things to get them to buy into, right. you say sleep eight to be great. Yeah. Okay. Hours of sleep every single night. Um, our hydration level and how much water we're consuming. Um, scheduling, being proactive and scheduling their day out. Does it make sense in terms of where they are expected to be and time-wise? Are they making the best utilization of their time? Can, you, can we condense our day to be as efficient and effective as possible and not waste a ton of energy? Planning meals um, is, is a tall task at times just because they have so much going on. So educating them on yeah. being proactive. Hey, we're up training. We're up early. I mean, our session tomorrow, we have a 300-yard shuttle test at 6 a.m. And Oof. it doesn't do you any good to come in with your fuel tank on E. Mm-hmm for a 300 yard shuttle. So in order to set you up for success for that shuttle test, okay, we've been educating over the last six weeks, what time are we getting out of bed? What are we fueling with? And they know now the fast acting carbs, the combination of protein, keep it low fat pre, post, how we're refueling with our protein shakes, this out of the other. Um, those little tidbits are things that they'll take with them as well in life. Learning now how to, how to cook at home, to live on their own, how to budget, go grocery, shopping and pick out the right things that complement their their meals. Um, and particularly as an athlete, their performance plate we talk about, what days to have lighter performance plates, what day to have higher performance plates, 
So we're checking all of those boxes in conjunction with the strength training because those boxes, as I tell them, you don't grow in the weight room. You're breaking your body down. It's in the wow. 23 hours outside of that weight room hour that your body is either going to reap the benefits of the training we did or not. So right. we need to make sensible decisions in the 23 hours outside of that one hour. So yeah. getting them to understand that that is just as important and perhaps more important than the one hour buy-in in the weight room. Oh my gosh. And these life lessons, right? Isn't it interesting? Um, and, and, you know, everything has to be taught, but, you know, they, they consider themselves adults. Like when they come to college, they're adults, but there's a lot of adulting that they they have to practice and work on. And the simple fact of, of grocery shopping and buying the right things and meal prep, it is, it's tiring. And I know, you know, for me, uh, my, you know, the last thing I want to do sometimes is, you know, prepare something that's going to take a while and, you know, you want to go for that easy thing, but they can't, right? They have to just put so much thought into into something, even if it's going to be a little bit harder or a little bit more challenging or a little more time consuming. And um, those aren't always easy decisions for any of us, let alone a kid, a college kid with a lot going on. Um, okay. This is all so great. And so obviously if I were one of your students, you know, I would be bowing down and kissing your feet at all you're teaching me. But now I need you to flip the switch. And I, obviously, I know you work out. I know you. I know that's always been important. And you've already referenced that. But how are you at all of the other pieces of self-care, right? We can tell our students, you know, about the sleep or about um, scheduling, of, about rest and, you know, take care of yourself, put yourself first, boundaries, whatever it is. But are you doing that, Kel? Or, or maybe what is it that you do? I'm getting better at it. Okay. Uh, I will say this. Part of the move was I was getting to a point where I felt as though my career was defining me and who I was. And I was mm. so concerned and caught up with checking all the boxes and climbing the ladder and making a name for myself as a black female in this industry that all that I was getting caught up in my job. Mind you, I love what I do and I have loved what I've done every step of the way, but it got to a point where I kind of had to sit back and say to myself, okay, do you love the life you're living or you just love the job you're doing? Ah, oh, okay. Right? So I was like, well, I love the job I'm doing and I want to love the life I'm living, but my job is overtaking mm. my life. Mm. So when this opportunity came about, I realized I can continue to do what I love, which is be a strength coach, uh, work in the world of soccer, which is a sport that I've been attached to since I was five years old. And I can also have or pursue more work-life balance. Oof. And so for me, Look at that. that was the deciding factor to make the jump, um, to jump on board with this opportunity. Uh, so as you know, I, I have always worked out. Yes. I will work out for as long as I possibly can until yes. the come off. <laughs> that, is, yes. that, is, that is my number one probably go-to for self-care. Right. This past Sunday, I just signed up. I signed up at Fuel Hot Yoga in downtown Athens. Uh, it's That's like the skies have opened and the world is parted because you have signed up for yoga. And I Kelly. thought of you a few weeks ago because I bought a <laughs> yoga mat and I was like, oh, I should really talk to Tammy about like, I was like, you know what? It's not that serious yet. Let me make sure I really want to like dive in to this and do this for more than just a trial period. Yeah. So I have my yoga mat. I'm doing a one month membership, a trial membership. I'm signed up for at least three classes a week. Okay. Right now, um, I'll be honest, part of the, the draw for me is the hot piece Yeah. because I am somebody that almost needs, I like to sweat. Mm -hmm. And when I sweat, I feel like, oh, that was, the more I sweat, I associate it with a better workout. It doesn't right, necessarily right, right. mean that. Right. That's just at the stage that I'm at in my life, Tammy, I just, I'm at a point where I don't want to make my own training sessions. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. I know. I got it. 
just <laughs> somebody tell me, somebody teach me, somebody coach me, and I'll, I'll just do whatever you say. So I'm testing out yoga. It is okay. also something that I know could add great value to my life to complement the style of weight training that I do. As you yeah. know, I'm more of the bodybuilding style. I like to lift heavy. I like volume. I don't like a whole lot of rest periods. So those two are my top two. Um, I my love work, it. My work schedule is much lighter. It is the lightest, not maybe I shouldn't admit this online. It's the, <laughs> the lightest uh, load that, I, that I've had, which is nice because I feel like I can give 100% to the tasks that are asked of me at work. Whereas in other places, I've had so much on my plate that I've only felt like I could give mm. 75 to 80%. And I felt like I was selling myself and the task short because I couldn't give 100% because I didn't have the time to give 100%. Um, so I, I've gained a lot more freedom, uh, in my life to be able to go home and be off work case in point right here. I left work today at one fifteen to be on this podcast at two o'clock. I've never made it home probably before 5 PM at a job that I've worked before. Um, so my work schedule has given me a lot more freedom. I traveled for this past spring break for the first time probably in my last 10 years on the job. So I booked a ticket and went to see a friend in Texas. So that's nothing, you know, something I haven't done previously. I'm already scheduled to go to Los Angeles in May to go see family. I have my dad coming to visit me for five days and <laughs> my birth mom coming in May into June. Like I'm able to make more time for myself while still <sighs> doing what I love to do. So I don't feel like I've given up on myself and my career, um, but at the same time, I can fill my cup and pour into myself more because I'm a firm believer that you can't really give 100% to the people you're giving unless you've taken care of yourself. Yeah. It, it, I think it really shows mm -hmm. um, in your work if you've taken care of, good care of yourself, if you filled your cup first in order to help fill the cup of other people. Yeah. It's so hard for many of us to grasp that, but it is. It is it is the key ingredient that it starts with inside of yourself, right? And then it's the ripple so that you can hold something up. It's the foundation. Um, but you, you, it's so interesting. You felt guilty already. You were feeling guilty saying, I'm not working as much as I always have, right? It's that guilt. But then you admitted like there was so much going on that you weren't doing things to that hundred percent that you would have really liked them. Like, again, we get by, we can juggle, we can do it, but this, what you're doing right now should be the ultimate. That should be the goal, not the other way. Right. But we're so trained that we have to give, 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 give. And what you have to prove you do right. Right. Kelly, you've had to prove in your industry, in your field, um, as a woman, as a black woman, you know, we have to prove, 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 prove. And it's nice to be like, I don't, I don't have to prove like there is balance. There can be balance. I could do my job really well and still have more time for me and the things I love. Um, so and breathe, it's, and yeah, there was, a, there got, got to a point where I was like, I'm just overwhelmed. Mm. And I was like, okay, yeah, you've, you've pursued this all your life. And, and I think, and you can, I'm, you can probably relate to this is I didn't want to make a mistake. Right. Right. Of, I've worked so hard to have been where I have and to be where I am. I want to make sure that I'm making the right decision based on the work that I've put in and not make a decision and realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't have made this decision or maybe I should have kept doing more and able to do this at the other. And then once I got here, I was like, no, like I'm sleeping <sighs> better. My sleep is different. <sighs> like I feel, I look in the mirror and I look different than I did before. It's just, it's the little things that I was like, you don't realize how beat down you are, but in a role similar to yours as a leader, you're expected to, and you want to grind through for right. your people. Right. Because you're setting, I'm a, I'm a leader by example. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get into the trenches with my people. I'm going to outwork my people because I want them to look at me and say, wow, if our leader is doing it, well, then I have no excuse not to do it. She's been in the game for 11 to 12 years and she's working this hard. I've been in the game two to three. I need to match what she's doing. And so it's 
hard work is contagious and it's infectious. Right. And so I was just grind, 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 grind until finally I was like, okay, something's something's off here. Take a step back mm. and figure out what is it do I really need? And I was scared. I was really scared to make this jump for fear of making the wrong decision. But I also knew I needed to take a risk. I'm not a big, I haven't been a big risk taker in terms of, I've always liked to know that the next step is going to set me up for the step thereafter. Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking one step beyond okay. the situation. And so every move has been, okay, power five, this, six years here at USC, get on the game board of winning national championships so that you get recognized, get in the professional world, um, market yourself and be able to personal train a bit with Candace Parker, get attached to Cynthia Cooper, get the director role, manage people. Okay, but then, okay, now what? Right. And I was 35 years old, like, okay, why don't you take a step back and see what it is that you need to take care of yourself or else I was fearful that I was going to run myself out of the industry. Yeah. It was getting to a point where I was like, what if I start hating this? Because I'm so exhausted. That right. was my biggest fear. Because I know I love being a strength coach and I didn't want to run myself down so much that I didn't want to be in the game anymore. Which is so interesting, right? Because so much of what we do when we talk about self-care and all of this, it is about the prevention, right? That is ultimately what it's about and how we do it, right? In order to have a great quality of life when you're older, we need to do all of the things that we do physically, mentally, for our soul, whatever. But it is oftentimes that we have come to that point, right? That breaking point where it's too much. We burnt ourselves out physically sick, which also can manifest from stress and overwork, right? So, too many times that's the barrier and the catalyst. So I love that you were able to take that step back and to push yourself to take a risk, which is never easy. Um, but for yourself and you're worth it. Like you're worth it. Thank you. <laughs> it feels good. It feels good to be able to pack up my bags and go home at a reasonable hour. Yeah. Um, get my eight to 10 hours of sleep, carve out time. I never, never had time to, to commit to weekly yoga classes. Right. At least on my own. It was just the gym was like my one thing that I could get to at 5 a.m. before my work day. And by the time I'd get home in traffic, it was already 5, 6 p.m. Lights are out for me at eight, nine o'clock when you're waking up at 3.30 to four o'clock. Right. So it's good. I think too. New challenging chapter and I'm excited for it. <laughs> I'm going to add one other little piece because obviously we did have our pre-talk before. But two, you know, as we, as we get older, not that you're old, but as we get older, you know, th other things are more important in our life. And I think, you know, you've been close with your family and I think that you, you don't want to give that up and we don't want to sacrifice you know, a career, getting to our career for that. So I think at some point too, it becomes even more um, important. You know, our parents age, our, our, it's harder to get our families together. You know, all of that starts to happen and it's that, whoa, I, I'm not willing to give that up. Like this is really important to me. So even you moving back closer to Connecticut is a big step. Like your dad can come visit you and, yes. you know, you have more family here. It's an easy trip. It's not a yeah. six-hour, all-day affair to get home. And right. that certainly played a factor into my decision. And I thought to myself, my family has supported every step of the way. Uh, me pursuing this industry and this career, they were my biggest cheerleaders from day one. Wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I think at times there was some questions of, you have a business degree and you're, you're really, you're really smart you a lot of with your business degree and, you know, open, you know, the starting salary in the strength and conditioning world. And are you, are you sure, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, I know I don't want to sit at a desk. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to be active. I want to, and you know, training these kids keeps me youthful and keeps me young, yeah. Yeah. but priorities have shifted. I can't believe I'm going to be 36 in May and I don't old feel, lady. I don't feel 36, <laughs> but I will say not to say that I feel like I've I have a I'm happy with what I've accomplished in my career. Not that I'm not going to accomplish more, but there are other things I want to accomplish in my life. Yeah. That I've sacrificed a lot for and that being more time with my family, uh maybe entertaining a serious relationship in my life for once. Really? Oh my goodness. We're not getting in the way. 
Um, I know that I, for one, don't want to, don't foresee myself carrying kids, but I love kids. Okay. So don't know that I could venture out and have a kid. Single mom life would be difficult, especially yeah. in the industry. Um, but I've always liked kids. Okay. So we'll see. There's a lot of kids in need out there too. So I, I, who knows what'll happen? There are. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens in this next 36 to to 40, 40 chapter. But I think this chapter is uh continuing on with what I'm doing in my career and really finding out what it is that I want in my life. So again, we've talked a little bit about this before, but timing, you know, when I reached out to you and I was I said, I want I want you to be a guest. Will you be a guest? you had all of this to share, right? If I had called you six months ago or, you know, a year ago when I started this, I bet the conversation would be really different. So, so interesting, the timing of it all when I had. Drastically different. I would have been head in the tunnel at LMU, digging in, doing, I mean, I loved my time and what I was tasked to do there, but yeah, you, you popped up at the right time. Yeah. I, I, I love that the universe did that for us. I have one last question. And it is something that I like to ask all of our guests to think about. Um, You know, you're such a loyal person. You are so true. You have so much integrity. I know you're a good friend, right, to to whoever that is, the people you work with, your family. But I want you to um, think about how are you at being your own best friend? How am I at being my own best friend? Yeah. I think finding me time is really important. I think uh, the way I show up for myself, the way I, the voice up here okay. talks to myself. Yeah. Um, if there's anything, well, I will say this. I have evolved immensely in loving living in my own skin over the years as I've gotten older. And I, to those listening out there, I have enjoyed getting older and evolving and molding into the person that I am and the person I foresee myself becoming because it is drastically different than the person that I was when we first met in college. I couldn't be more confident. I'm probably sometimes maybe too confident for my own good. (laughs) Um, but my confidence comes with a lot of work, work on myself, work on my craft to put me in a position to have been where I have and to be where I am. But I, I'm happy with who I am. I no longer doubt myself. I no longer live for the reasons that I'm living up to the expectations of other people, but rather living up to the expectations of myself. Ah. Uh. I, love I don't that. feel the need to check boxes or be somebody in this profession because other people will only validate me as successful if I work at certain places or work at certain levels or win certain championships. I don't care anymore what other people feel I should do as far as my career is concerned. I care more about whether or not they respect what I do and the way that I do it and the person that I am when I do it rather than feeling like I have to utilize them to validate what I should do and what boxes I should check. And I think if there's anywhere, I don't want to say where I've gone wrong, but I used to validate my success based on what other people in the industry thought I should do Mm -hmm. rather than, no, this is what I want to do this is how I'm going to get there. If people like it, great. If they don't, I'm not living their life. I'm living my life. I'm holding the microphone out and doing mic drop. (laughs) There's no, there's nothing else to say. Like that was just so refreshing, so beautiful to hear. It's hard for people to be in that situation. And I know you think you're 36, you're getting old, but I look at this as you're only 36 and you've come to this realization because I think, you know, I can look at myself as a woman and what I've done. Um, You know, we spend a lot of time doubting and not being comfortable in our own skin and doing things for the wrong reason, just you're saying to please other people. So, wow. Wow. I, I'm, oh, I lost you. (laughs) Oh, there you go. I lost you for a second. Yep. You're back. 
I, let's see if it'll get your voice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kel, I'm just, this is the gushy moment. Um, so proud of you. Like, and not that, not that I say it in a way of, you know, oh, I've watched you grow, but I just admire everything that you've done and how you've really intentionally built yourself up, but that there's always that self-reflection and there's always that room for making things better than they are in a, in a pure way, right? Not in the, just reaching for the next step on the ladder, but to make sure the happiness is there and that, um, you're doing things of value in your life. And God, there's nothing better than that. And so you really do lead by example and your athletes are truly, truly lucky to have you, um, where you are. And I, yeah. Yep. I cry just a little. I can't thank you enough. And it's, it's funny how, as you said, the universe works in mysterious ways and the email came through at just the right time. And I thought to myself, and I'd literally been thinking about you the week before, and talking about you when I visited Mal like a year and a half ago. And Ugh. it's just, I can't thank you enough for being the example that you were when I was at Quinnipiac. And oh. one of my first female mentors who I look at and am all of how you do it all and do it with a smile on your face and do it with, you grind with grace and you just set such an amazing example for somebody like myself that was in some ways lost and didn't know like who I wanted to be and who I wanted to become. And I have you to thank for what I've done along this journey so far and what I will continue to do. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, I love you. Oh my God. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I wish we were in person. This is where I wish we were in person. Hey, I'm closer to you now. I know. You're closer to me. Do you ever do any yoga stuff down this way, like Florida, like Atlanta? What do we got? I'll just come visit. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I really value and respect your time. So thank you for carving out time for this and for sharing everything that you shared and then for making me cry. And um yeah, I'm just, it's really so nice to get to spend this time with you. And I hope we don't wait this long again before we catch up and connect and have to have it recorded for everyone to hear us blubbering on the air. But uh, but I really do thank you for everything that you've just given to us today. You're welcome. Anytime. I really feel so fortunate in my work that I have done with Quinnipiac University over the years. I have met so many incredible students that have just blossomed and are out there doing the most amazing things in the world. And I am really so grateful for the ability to have those connections still. And so Kel obviously is a former student that is so near and dear to my heart. I am so grateful that she took time and still takes time whenever I ask her to connect and to tell me what's happening and for our check-ins. And I wish her all of the best in the world. She is one of the most hardworking individuals I have ever met and also a very kind soul. Please be sure to come back next week when I have our guests, Elizabeth Halfpap and Fred DeVito, who are pioneers in the fitness modality of bar. If you've heard of a bar class, B-A-R-R-E, for those of you whose ears perked up when you heard me say bar, bar fitness, you will definitely get the history and where it's come from and what it is, but also how they as professionals, fitness professionals, keep themselves well, what that means for them and how do they do that, as well as how important it is to really stick true to your roots and do what you're passionate about. We had a fabulous conversation and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you all. So thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Tammy Riley of Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. The executive producer of the podcast is David DeRoche, and our producer is Renette Chafu. Lawrence Cupo has her hands in our social media, and our theme music is provided by Scott Holmes. To learn more about all of our podcasts, please visit qu.edu slash podcast. And you can listen to our podcast on the platform or app of your choice. Give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram at QU Podcasts. And feel free to send us a note, a comment, or a question. 
via email, which is qupodcasts at qu.edu. So until next week, my friends, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.